Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Let me welcome back, speaking of algorithms and things, she's an attorney, community leader, advocating for women in tech, and she's a tech executive. Let me welcome back to the show, Lisa Neal Graves. Hey. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. You are um, clearly one of the faves, right? Because I had so many phone calls after being on your show. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, thank Grateful you. to be here. Thank you. You know, it's a strange thing. I feel like this, this, this show, this channel is ubiquitous, but like we're everywhere. We're huge. Me personally is not, it's not, you know, like I'm not famous and I'm not, and I'm good with that, but I love that I have amazing people on and then people share. So it's, it's a, a weird thing. Like everybody knows about it, but nobody really wants to talk about th- that. They know until, until, Oh, you listen to it's like, why is it a secret? <laughs> What the hell? What's going on? All right. Let's talk about a little bit before we get into um, why I want to have frequent conversations with you. I often talk about building a world in which I want to live. And that requires imagining that world. What does it look like? And in my world, everyone has. There's no lack. You know, there's enough. If my cup overflows, you don't have enough here. Here's some. I don't need all of the water. Here's some clean water for you. Here's some food I got. But, oh, I got trees that are growing. To, here, please, just take. Just take at your leisure. Eat, enjoy. More will grow because we live in abundance. My world is not full of just people who look like me because I like to bang up against folk who are different because I want to learn more things about myself. In my world, everyone is healed or healing, moving towards being healthy, physically, mentally, emotionally, et cetera, spiritually. In my world, people see each other as um, reflections, not as enemies, right? And I believe Mm -hmm. that tech, tech can be used as a tool and a weapon to make that happen. So I sit on a satellite that has an app. I built Nubia narrative that has people and I don't have, you know, I'm in it as a person that I pay for my subscription. So I'm twice, I pay monthly and annually and I'm engaging with people who I, who may be of like minds, but they've all come with their own, you know, purpose, but this community is at the heart and I love it and it's growing. And we've talked off Mike. I'm going to share this with imagining what comes next because this is not it. You know, we're two years old, Nubia, and what's next? How do we make what's next? As we, some of us are still on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, platforms built by other people with quite a different foundation, right? You know, Facebook founded in trolling women on campus is now right. y'all's, yeah, yeah, that was that was what the foundation of that was. You know, incel men that couldn't get coochie who wanted to make fun of women that they couldn't date, and that was the app. And now y'all using it and made it into one of the behemoths, right? Uh, y'all call that's it meta, whatever. But that's the foundation of that app. Twitter, Jack and them didn't imagine us. Black Twitter made it worth $44 billion and not a single black Twitter person got a, a dime. Right, right. So right. now in, in your world, Lisa, what does it look like? What's the world you want to live in? You know, it's interesting. Um, So the conversation that I've been having with some of the folks that you also met off cycle, right? Um, And that is that we always call this the melting pot, right? And as a kid, I never really liked that as as a metaphor. I remember telling my mother, um, I don't really like it when you put all that stuff together and we have a stew because it makes the thing that I don't like taste like everything, right? So everything that that I that's in that pot starts to taste like this dominant thing. 
And then I learned about this notion of a salad, right? And so with a salad, it doesn't really matter how many different things you put in it. They still maintain who they are, the consistency of it, all of that. Now you can put dressing on it, but the dressing in and of itself doesn't cover up the actual flavor of the original vegetable, right? And so I remember asking my mother, why can't we have more salad as opposed to this mush stuff that tastes like this thing that I really don't like, which at the time was garlic. I now have an appreciation for garlic, but then I didn't. And I realized that what we've done in the United States, at least, and really the world, is that we've sort of created this, this melting pot where we say everybody just sort of fits in. And then it's the dominant culture that really starts to succeed, right? And that's, we were talking about this the last time. And so that dominant culture really is white. And it's not necessarily that it's right, but all of the folks that come here that have their own culture that is not really aligned with white, but they could fit in with white, they become white too. And that's why you start to have this notion of instead of there, you know, we created this racial thing as a side note, but, but you know, you've got white and then you have race, right? So race, you have white and black, and then you have this, the origins where you start to talk about the Latinx communities and all of the places where they come from and all of these other different origin specifics. But what if you could design your particular platform that actually allowed people to come onto that platform and not have to align with or somehow assimilate with, they can acclimate, right? I remember when I learned the word acclimate versus assimilate, I came home and was talking to my parents about that and saying, I wanna acclimate. I don't even want this assimilation stuff anymore. I wanna acclimate. And my dad looked at me and said, yeah, that'll be interesting. You acclimating into tech. Tell me how that works. Right. right. And so, so wait, I have there, been... there's so many questions. All right. First of all, <laughs> shout out to your, your parents, because clearly they did. There's something right was going on in the Neil home. Something right was going on in the Neil home. Lisa Neil Graves. So what what man, how how did how did they raise you? I don't know if you have siblings. How did they raise y'all that you could have these conversations with them? You know, even because, you know, even that most of us, particularly in a black household, you know, my my mother's generation, children to be seen and not heard. You didn't question adults. You didn't ask them any questions. I was fortunate enough to be raised in a household where it was a lot of why, how come, you know, which sounds very similar. Right. What were they feeding you intellectually that? You know, it's interesting. Um, my parents, both of them have deceased, but my mother always said she wasn't good at math, but we would go to the grocery store and she would calculate the bill as she put things in the basket. So, so, and then the end, she would tell me, yeah, I'm not that great at math, but this is something that you need to understand how to do. And I thought, well, if you're bad at it and we get to the counter and you're not even off by a penny, I'm going to have to do some work. Right. So my dad was an engineer, right? He was one of the first in IBM was ahead of their time. They hired in cohorts and they hired a cohort of 17 black engineers in Boulder. And my dad was one of those. And he got there and he saw how all of his colleagues would bring their kids around. So their kids got exposure and was introduced to all of this tech world at a time when 
nobody really understood what tech was and what it could become. And so my dad's view of the world was, if I'm going to expose you to this, then all y'all need to figure out how to become techs, right? You got to be a technologist of some sort. He wanted us all to be electrical engineers. I wasn't going to do that. I felt like there was some software stuff that was coming out. And I said, all that hardware that you're dealing with, I can build software that will make that sing. And we didn't get to watch television much, but we did get a chance to watch sci-fi, right? So my life was, I'm going to make a beam me up, right? I want to be able to make a beam me up. And that meant you had to ask a lot of questions because it wasn't clear how it worked. And I took that to mean that if I can ask questions about this, then I can ask questions about everything. And so teachers, I was quiet in, in school because I didn't really feel like they truly understood me and us. And I was in a place where we were anomalies and not there wasn't a, a, a plethora of Black folks around us. But I can remember um, as I learned these words, I'd come home and I was excited to share with my mother. My mother was like, do you have these conversations in class? And I was like, well, no. Who am I going to have these conversations with? Who's going to answer me? You will answer me. So, so I just, the relationship that we had was I could ask all the questions in the world. I just couldn't use foul language, right? right? So if people were using foul language, I couldn't come and ask about those because, you know, that wasn't something I needed to know or should understand being in elementary school, right? So for me, all of this, you know, sort of this whole launch and even how I thought about like the, the salad versus the melting pot, all of that was elementary school. And I always knew that if you could get those answers in elementary school, then when you got to junior high and then ultimately to high school, then, you know, it's, you've already developed who you're going to be. And nobody should be able to tell you who you are. You should be able to explain to them who you are and who you're trying to become. And I, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, I knew what I knew and I was very comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. What I wasn't really that good at was I'm, I'm not an English, you know, the, the whole English idea of majoring in English was like foreign to me. My dad's perspective was if you know math, then you're a universal character. <laughs> if you know English, then you can only participate in English speaking countries. And so oh. I took that to heart took that to heart and thought, well, we need to learn different languages. I was never good at learning languages, but I could always do math. So, you know, do this you, is, do you know any other languages? Cause I, I'm, I'm committed over the next 10 years to learning Spanish and Portuguese because I, I, I need to go to Brazil. To, yeah. I I've learned, I learned Spanish in junior high. Um, I'm not very great at it. I lived in Shanghai. And so I'd learned enough Mandarin to be dangerous um, I lived in Rome. I know enough Italian to be dangerous. I want to, you know, I play with Duolingo. So I'm playing with Mandarins, continuing to play with Mandarin, Italian, and Spanish. Okay. All right. Uh, we're talking with, of course, Lisa Neil Graves, um, 866-801-8255. I want to bring you in frequently because we are behind the scenes. I always do this on the air. I'm building while I'm building, I need people to see that the possibilities are for everyone. You know, I am not a tech genius, but I imagine worlds. I think about things that don't exist. And that's what creation is, right? Creation right. is this doesn't exist. Let's imagine it. And then let's figure out who can build it. That's, that's what you do. Right. And so, exactly right. and it's not magic, you know, it's just 
imagination manifesting because you have put the time into making it happen. So we're building something in real time that we're going to talk more about uh, as it's built. But I also, you know, uh, you know, how we get there is in, in the discussion, right? Uh, right? Because that's how creation works too. As an English major, what I also recognize is that you write your own stories. That's what I learned as an English major, exactly. that reading reading opens worlds, worlds open imaginations. And once your imagination is peaked, then you can create your own world. And it's because I majored in English and love to read and write that I'm here right now. So right. the humanities, right. which are dwindling, I was in, in class last night in office hours with Dr. Carr, and there's a whole study. Students are going to school now, not becoming English majors, which means that we're going to have a world of people like Elon Musk and freaking Zuckerberg who, who are, you know, no, I mean, it's, it's not it, it actually sad, you know, because we need people who can imagine a world where everyone is in it and then can create it, not just because they have money and might, but because they have an imagination and the ability to inspire people to do the same, which is everything. Nothing. Right. And what I also believe is that we have people that have strengths in specific areas, right? For me, my ability to, you know, sort of envision, like we were, we were building computers and programming in a simpler language before there was a course in a simpler language. And so when you think about it in that context, while it's not English, it is its own language. And so we could make it do things and make it create things that weren't, we weren't supposed to be able to do. So it it wasn't until I could not compare myself to somebody that was great in English, but to be who I am and say, you know, but I can learn English from you, <laughs> but, but this is what I'm good at. Let's put these two things together. And then you get something that really is unparalleled, right? And that's really what we're talking about with respect to the new platform, right? It's, yes. is that, how do you create an environment where people bring their core competencies, they bring their culture, they bring who they are and what it is that they want to share with the rest of the world. And it is appreciated, right? They don't have to assimilate into something that they really aren't, that they can find who they are and be comfortable who they are in that space. And can you do that? Not just sort of physically, because physically is great, but can you also create you know, um, toys, you know, this whole computer games was really a big deal when I was a kid. And I can remember thinking that if we could design computer games that really did simulate real life, and you can do that now, right? That's, that's really, (laughs) that's really what a lot of even the, the metal world is really trying to get to. Now, I don't, I don't know if they'll get there. Um, but I do believe that you could possibly think about that in the context of a new platform where you give people tools and they can start designing things and just playing around with things. There's um there's a sister that that is working at a, a nonprofit that that is an offshoot from MIT and her work is uh, called Scratch, right? And she is building tools for kids to learn how to program. And the, the thing that I love about her work is that if you can teach a child how to think creatively and imagine possibilities and design those things in code, 
you have, you know, you were talking about being able to write your own story. Now you're giving them tools to not only write their own stories, but to create sort of this imagery and create an environment where people can sort of live in those stories. And I love that idea because as, you know, as children, you're right. A lot of, a lot of black families, our kids are to be heard and not, not, you know, to be seen and not heard. If you can actually create that environment where you don't have to really be heard, you can, you can be heard in your own little environment and then share that with your friends and they can actually add to it. Imagine what we would create. Imagine what that would actually well, look like. I mean, we have Roblox, right, where a lot of y'all's children are on there building worlds and building games and doing this and getting those Roblox buck bucks and, you know, making y'all bankrupt you know, because they need to buy things. But they're not teaching them the value of money. They're not teaching them the value of community. They're not teaching them, you know, the value of work for money, you know. And so again, when, when these platforms are imagined by people who are soulless and I'm, I'm going to say it like this because, you know, to not center those values in the things that you are handing to children is a soulless venture in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Means that our children and, and y'all don't even know what the kids are doing, right? Because you're not really familiar with it and it feels, you know, intimidating to you, like them coming to you with the math homework, you know? So we just like, ah. Uh, I don't understand. <laughs> Go ahead. Here, here's the device. Do what you you need some more bucks. Here's some money. But we're not we're not there the way your dad took you to you know to IBM and got you indoctrinated into this is what this looks like. So, what kind of solutions can we find? Um, we're talking with Lisa. Lisa Neal Graves, um, 866-801-8255 as Snapchat, which I thought was gone, but it's not, you know, Snapchat, the uh, app where children would show their naked body parts and it would go away. Like after a few seconds, you know, basically that was the app, you know, here's my penis, send it out. Here's some breasts, send it out. It's like that, that was what Snapchat was. And then it would go away. So your parents wouldn't see it. Um, it has launched uh, my AI, its own chat GPT. Last time you were here, Lisa, last month, we were talking about the dangers, in my opinion, of chat GPT, as all of y'all now are so happy with the convenience as you literally are teaching for free somebody else's app that's going to be worth billions of dollars. And while right now it's convenient for you, you are for free helping to program something that you don't own. But I digress. Uh, so Snapchat today, uh, yesterday launched its own chat bot called My AI using the latest version of OpenAI's rapidly growing gen- generative t- uh, text tool, ChatGPT, is a custom chat bot, My AI custom chat bot that for now is only available to Snapchat plus users who pay $3.99 a month. Come on through with that monthly subscription. Uh, your, your thoughts, your thoughts on this? Well, you knew at some point... So Facebook didn't have a business model that was obvious, right? You couldn't, when you were first using Facebook, you really didn't know how it was going to generate money. Then it became sort of the world's marketing platform. And then you connected that with Google and you started to see the things that you were looking at on Facebook started to give you advertisements when you were on Google searching, right? So you started to see those connections. It was only a matter of time before chat. 
this this whole chat engine started to think about, well, what else can we do? Right. So so Snapchat, it's not a surprise to me because their whole model is was was designed around, you know, we don't retain the information that you capture. But that's not necessarily true because you can take a, a you, you can snap an image of it and you retain that for life. Right. So the, some of this. But this whole notion of being able to use, you know, sort of this chat GPT involved with, you know, this whole notion of Snapchat, it starts to it starts to get really interesting now that you have a subscription that you can start to do any even more interesting things with it. So my question becomes, while you're paying for this subscription, what is the value, right? What's that value that you're getting from that combination, right? Are they guaranteeing you that there is some learning that's happening that you get to retain, although the design and the intention of the model is that nothing is retained? What is it that you're getting for your $3.99 a month? And the more that I think about that, it becomes sort of faddish, right? Um, and if they do, if they do it, then there are going to be others that follow. And the question is, and I, I talked to some colleagues, I was, I was at a board meeting and folks were talking about chat GPT and what that meant. And there's a colleague that said that he actually was using chat GPT to code, right? So it was actually coding for him, not, not that somebody else was feeding it information, but that it in and of itself was writing code. And then his developers would take that code and then figure out ways to synthesize it to meet the objectives that he had. And I kept thinking, well, wait a minute. So we started talking more and digging in. Wait a minute. So so are you sure that this is not, um, you know, where is it finding the code, right? Is this, our, you know, one of the things that you have to worry about, of course, is if you're using um, open code, right, that you have to give credit for that. And then anything that you add to it has to also be made open. So what is the work that you're doing to ensure that this chat GPT system isn't going out and finding open source, pulling that into your bed, you know, this, this new IP that you're creating, and now making you have to incorporate this new thing that you're building into open source. And will we get to a point where all code is open source, which would be kind of cool in many ways, um, but you don't necessarily have uh, the, the business model then becomes, is it subscription based? So now you start to, you see where right, I'm going with right, the right. chat GPT so, having, you know, with Snapchat having more of a, a subscription because you're not going to make any money on licensing because it's all open source. Everything's driven towards the bottom line, you know, uh, as a person that, understands business but doesn't operate in a normal business manner right because people at the center people are at the center so even even my platform it's subscription I'm never raising it for the first people even though everybody else raises their price over time because it's financially expedient to do that I, I made a commitment if you came in early you're going to stay at that price as long as you are with us uh, we will raise it later on, old, you know, older people, because there should be a price to pay for coming in later. That's, you know, uh, right. but even that, the, the, the price is nominal for what you get, you know, we're constantly Correct. adding uh, to it. Uh, unlike Ariana Huffington, you know, the folk that contribute get, get coined, you know, because I don't believe that your time 
is free, even if you benefit from being in there. Like, I, I just feel like honoring people is everything. And Henry Ford, who's a very complicated, troublesome person on some level, got that part right, that you want right. to build things that people can, you know, who are making it can afford to use it so that you can keep exactly. doing more of that. Um, This seems to be like unadulterated money grabs you know i feel like we're in this space where folk are designing things going getting rounds of funding they're out there you know and it's just it, it's just turned into money 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 not not how does this help humanity and solve problems i'm gonna let you sit with that because i obviously i could talk with you all day um we're gonna keep talking lisa as as we build and grow um and i couldn't get to any callers either because we literally have a minute left but I just want to tell you, I appreciate who you are, what you bring and all of the things that you've done in tech and that you will be doing. And I'm glad that we're going to be working together. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's an absolute pleasure and a joy, right? I, I love the way that you think about sort of this space and, and how to be open to the possibilities because that that really is where we need to be. Um, and I'm, I'm really thrilled about the work. So thank you. Yes, Lisa Neal Graves. Don't don't forget the name. She is amazing. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.